Bronx Borough President. Welcome to Max and Murphy. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. How are you? Doing well. well. How are you doing? Um, Am I speaking to Jared or Ben? Both of us. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jared. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good, good. So why don't we start um, with the the thing that you've been most, you know, seemingly out there on uh, in recent days and weeks, which is this jail plan. Uh, The mayor... And, and really, the city council are moving forward on four jail sites. They're, they put them all together in one big package to go through the city's land use review process, which has just started. Um, and you have a problem in your borough with the site that's been chosen. Do you want to explain? Right. Let me just start by saying that I am in favor of closing down Rikers Island. And I want to be unequivocal about that. This is not about whether Rikers Island should be closed. But it's a bad plan for three reasons. Number one, bad site. Um, number two, we have a better location. And number three, uh, we are setting a bad precedence in having this ULERP for four different sightings in four different boroughs on the one vote. Um, so going back to number one, it's a bad location because for many, many decades, we've seen that the surrounding area has been, um, you know, has come, has come of age. Uh, we've done a lot of development in the area, and the people of Diego Beekman Houses, a place that I'm familiar with since I used to deliver Meals on Wheels lunches there when I was a teenager, um, they went from having you know, high crime and, and drug lords there uh, to creating one of the, you know, a very safer, you know, much safer neighborhood. Um, and not only have they been able to uh, do so in a way where Silver Cup Studios has come in, and we have breweries and everything, but they also have an actual plan, and I've had a plan for years to develop the Topal, the Topal, uh where the site has been located, and the city not is not only um, you know uh, dismissing and discounting uh, and, and devaluing all of the years of hard work that they have put into this plan and to restoring and 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 bringing up the community, but they did so without even input from anyone in the community or anyone who lives in the Bronx, for that matter, before they made this decision. The better location is one that is consistent with what the advocates and experts have said all along when you're speaking of criminal justice reform and how we should be doing jailings in this country. And that is, and even with the, from the, you know, the, the, the very words of Judge Lippman, he says, and experts say that if you're going to do jailing, that we have to have it so that they are close to courthouses. Well, we have the property here on 161st Street next to the, um, the, the family courthouse over here. And I don't understand why is it that the city, A, has not talked to us prior to making this decision, B, why they haven't fully examined this better location. Um, they are choosing political expediency at, at a cost to the community's uh, concerns and, and anxiety. And then the last thing is to all of my colleagues in government, all of the borough presidents, all of the city council members, having one ULERP for all four boroughs sets a bad precedent. We don't want to do that. At the very least, um, what we should have is more conversations. And in the Bronx, being that we have a, stand-al- a standalone building, we should have our own ULERP process. Um, we've seen and heard from folks in Kew Gardens, folks in, in from Chinatown. All of the different communities have their own concerns, and those should be addressed individually, not put into you know in one vote. 
So you, you mentioned the proximity issue, and obviously part of the rationale behind closing Rikers is that it's out there on an island. It takes a long time to get to courthouses. That adds to delays in people's cases and keeps people in detention longer. And so, as you said, the rationale for relocating jails to the boroughs is to cut down those distances. And the Bronx location the city's proposed is different from the ones in Queens or Brooklyn or Manhattan, which I think are all going to be potentially connected to their courthouses by a tunnel or a bridge. The Bronx would be, I think, about a mile away, correct? Yeah, again, this is the reason. Here we are. Isn't it ironic? We're talking and speaking of criminal justice reform, and the, and the biggest injustice is being perpetrated on the Bronx. Are we any less than the other boroughs? But the and, city and has we, said uh, that the site you've talked about, which is the courthouses for those who don't visit the Bronx regularly or live there, are on 161st, and you've proposed a site that is there. The city's comeback has been that it's simply too small for what they, what they need. Is that an invalid objection? It is because, number one, what data do they have that shows that? They haven't even examined that site in the courthouse. Number two, if they're referring to the property that they own and only that property, then perhaps it is small. But what we're saying is that you should take the family court, which is being underutilized. You can, you can demap the street between the family court and the criminal courthouse. And then you have all of the space, that, and some of that space belongs to the state. And maybe they don't want to get into it with the governor because the mayor and the governor, you know, don't get along. And so they've chosen the path of least resistance is the tow pound because EDC owns that property. So, again, they're choosing political expediency. But if you took the, um, the, the family courthouse, the street, and the state's own property and the property behind the courthouse, you can build up and have the necessary beds. And, by the way, even if... You don't go up as high as initially you would want to. Well, you, you know what, um, Ben and, and Jared, they have reexamined the proposals in Manhattan and in Queens, and they've decreased the amount of heights there. So, again, why are they treating other boroughs different than, they, than they're treating the Bronx? Right. But the space is actually there. So, so, and you hit on the second thing. I, you know, what I've heard from the de Blasio administration is both the size and they have the control of this tow pound. They don't have full control of land. You might have hit it something. They'd have to negotiate with the state. Um, and by the way, by, I'm sorry. By the ahead. way, I've already spoken to the state. The state is willing to just give the property to them. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So uh, we want to move on to other topics, but but one more. Let me just say this. Let me just say this on this last topic before we move on. It is critical. It is important. Something that we're going to have to be dealing with for generations to come for us to get it right. No, I hear you, and I, I want to I, I ask one more thing on it, actually, which is, goes back to this question of who got briefed and who didn't and who's in and political expedience. The city council member who represents the district with the tow pound with the city site is Diana Ayala, and she has been on board with this from when they announced it. So is, is there some sort of disconnect there? I mean, what's the, you know, city council members... Again, the only thing that I can say, and I, I uh, supported Diana Ayala... Um, she won the district from because her district is split between the Bronx and Manhattan, right. and the Bronx was there for her. But um, respectfully, she doesn't live in the Bronx, in the Bronx part of the district. So no one who made this decision, we were only told once the decision was made, but no one who was in the room when this decision was made lives in the Bronx. Yeah, I mean, that was admitted at the press conference where they announced this, that you had not been briefed or brought into the conversations. And that. that and then, by the way, the Topal still presents all of, the, all of the different concerns from transportation to not having the defense attorneys being able to have access to their clients. 
if all of the all of the things that we talk about Rikers Island presenting um, in terms of the criminal justice reform, you're still going to have all of those concerns at the toe pound. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's do it by the courthouse. So one of the things that this episode gets at is actually a larger issue we wanted to ask you about, which is there's a Charter Revision Commission happening right now. And one of the things that's being discussed is the powers and the role of the borough presidents. Do you think anything related to the powers of the borough presidents um, needs to be changed in the city charter? Is there anything that you either want changed or any warnings you have about making changes? I mean, we have we have um, some, my representative at the, and we're going to be discussing that um, more nuance. But off the bat, I think that when you look at the Euler process, uh, maybe the borough presidents should, you know, our role has to be more than just advisory. Or you know, this right now the Euler process only the city council can can um, say no to a project. Their vote is the only vote that's actually binding. Our vote is is not a binding vote. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not going to be the borough president forever, but I think that when you look at borough presidents, that's the only position in the entire city of New York where the person or the people holding those, the, the office of borough presidents represent an entire borough. So just off the bat, that's something that, you know, I mean, and I don't want to get into all the nuances of, of you know, budgetary and, and how our budgets perhaps should be independent of, of you know, the, the vote from the city council and the mayor's office. Um, and so on and so forth, and how do we do capital, you know, um, allocations. So, so the, 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 all these things, we're going to come up with some suggestions uh, and give them to our representative, and hopefully those will be taken up um, in the future when we're talking about the Charter Revision com- Commission and, and potential votes. So as the commission moves forward here, your office is planning to, to put forward some concrete proposals? or Absolutely, is that- okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I'm not here for window dressing. Well, I didn't know if you're just having those privately <laughs> with your representative on the commission, who I believe is former city council member Jimmy Vaca. Jimmy Vaca, right? yeah. correct. Are you just going to be communicating with him privately, or do you plan on putting those out publicly? Well, we're going to we we're gonna, we're starting to talk privately first, and then eventually, yes, we want to put out our um, you know what we come up with. So we've been you know brainstorming here. Obviously, there's some things that uh, are obvious, others that are. You know, um, you know, more detailed and more complicated, so we want to flush those out. But when the time comes, we'll come out with our proposals, and of course we'll make them public. You're listening to Maxim Murphy on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're talking with Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. If you want to give a call, ask a quick question, it's 212-209-2877. Mr. Borough President, to shift gears, uh, your borough, which is also where I live, is home to two of the nine specialized high schools in the city, Bronx Science and High School for American Studies. My uh, Full disclosure, my son goes to the latter of those two. Uh, and equity and issues around access to the SHSAT have been an issue for many years, and they've percolated up again with the results of the tests uh, affecting next year's incoming class and the question about whether people in your borough are having uh, adequate access to those institutions. What do you think of the the proposals the mayor has put on the table to reform the admissions process? Um, Do you agree with them? Do you have your own take on what should be done and and kind of what the end goal is? Well, generally, I agree that the status quo is not working. And when you have um, slightly less than 11% of all the seats at the eight specialized high schools offered to black and Latino students this year, uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with what we're doing here. And I've been thinking about this and working on this since 2011. 
I remember putting out a report. That report was actually quoted in a lawsuit that the NAACP had against the Department of Education based on this issue. Um, some of the recommendations that we put out um, were everything from perhaps looking at doing away with the exam or doing exam plus. You know, when you look at the um, our Ivy League schools, um, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, they don't just take into consideration one exam. And, when, and, 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 and so we need to do, look at other measures and other metrics besides examination to see if we can um, continue to uh, have more of a, of, of a representation of the student body in our specialized high schools. The other thing I would say is that uh, we need to have more gifted and talented uh, classes. If you look when blacks and Latinos were better represented in specialized high schools, is because we had a robust, gifted and talented program all over the city of New York. That was, in essence, the, the, um, the farm system into the specialized high schools. When you see that the Department of Education is moving away from gifted and talented, then you see the amount of blacks and Latinos uh, decrease. Um, the other thing, and, we, and, and we, we need to invest more on the discovery program so that we can have our kids better prepared for this examination if we're going to continue with the examination. So, um, so, we, so need to, you, we need to do that. And then, and then I'm sorry, then go the, ahead. The, the other thing that we, we, we should not be doing is putting one community against the other. And this is where I disagree with the mayor and his rollout. You know, it became offensive to the Asian community. I think that, the, and, and we know that the overwhelming majority of the Asian students don't come from affluent families. Uh, it, it, you know, it's very, it's cultural for them to, to, you know, to, to, to focus on, on academics and they're living the American dream and that should be celebrated. So what we need to do is um, increase the amount of seats. Only three of the high schools are codified by state law. The other five uh, were created and we need to just create more if we have to. So is that, is that your top line? I mean, I know you, you outlined a few things there, but at this point, would you rather not see changes to the admissions process? I believe when the, when the mayor announced his plan, you, you were pretty supportive of it, and he wants to phase the test out altogether. No, I think that, again, one of the things, if, if we should look at the test, we know that in years past, whether it's specialized um, um, SATs or regular SATs, uh, you know, many folks uh, have made a, a, um, a strong argument that some of these tests perhaps aren't culturally sensitive, so maybe looking at the test, um, we should at least examine doing away with the test. Before we do it, examine it and see what that would mean. Or if we're going to stick with the examinations, then do testing plus. Meaning, look at, look at, we, 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 should, we should look at other uh, interests of the students. We should look at other talents. We should look at grades and their GPA. You know, we, there's, there, there's so many other things that we should be looking at in the same way that Ivy League universities and colleges do so that we're not basing, basing the, the entrance on one day or whether or not that student had a good or a bad day taking that test. Or whether, in many cases, black and Latino students and students throughout the city of New York, they, don't, they, don't, you know, they have to travel long distances. They're not great test takers. They, were not, they, they didn't have the resources and preparation for the, for the exam. So, you know, then they're not being, you know, some of, someone could say that a lot of this is an indictment on the overall public school system, not preparing our students. That's why we should identify those that have excelled academically 
and create more and more programs. Mm. We don't have to call them gifted and talent, gifted and talented programs because we know that gifts and talents come in many different ways, um, many shapes and forms. So I just think that um, the time has come for us to examine and, and, and come to the realization that the status quo is just not working. In the city of New York in 2019, when you have thousands of students applying and, you know, again, you know, 11, 10% black and Latinos, when we make up 70% of the student body, something is wrong here. And I don't, I don't accept the notion that we uh, cannot compete intellectually like other communities can. Mr. Borough President, it's about a year since the Jerome Avenue rezoning, um, the first of uh, the de Blasio rezonings to affect the Bronx. There might be another one coming on Southern Boulevard. Uh, a year later, what do you think about the efforts the city has made to make good on the promises it made in terms of investment, and particularly around protections for tenants and efforts to shield existing affordability in the neighborhood? Have those efforts been adequate? Uh, the jury's still out. We, we were able to identify something like 2,300, 2,500 um, residents around the Jerome Corridor outside of the zoning uh, where we can do uh, um, not only rehab uh, because we know that a lot of folks take acceptance to the fact that um, not only are they seeing new buildings go up, but maybe they don't have a real shot of getting into those new buildings, uh, but they're also not satisfied with the con- current conditions that they're living in. So uh, we identified units around the corridor so that the city can go in, work with the landlords to rehab um, those units. Uh, But we also um, uh, have been working with organizations like CASA and others, uh, and they've been doing the groundwork and organizing uh, to see what tenants are being harassed uh, by uh, their, their landlords. And this is the reason why uh, we were able to incorporate a pilot program with a certificate of, of no harassment. Uh, we were able to be successful in the campaign to have the right to counsel, and we identifying those folks um, who need uh, lawyers in housing court. And, you know, the, the, the work is ongoing. Look, the Jerome Avenue corridor, um, it's, that's going to be an ongoing process as well. So the jury is still out. It's still less than, than it's about a year since, since we actually did the ULERP. And we had so many things from increasing amount of, of school seats. I know that the DOE has been working with Cabrera and Vanessa Gibson, uh, identifying locations so that we can increase the amount of school seats. We're making sure that when it's all said and done, that the, the police precincts will have police officers that are going to match the amount of increase in population. We're working with the MTA for transportation um, and bus services to be adequate for the increase in population. So this is an ongoing process, but we, we definitely are, are focused to make sure that the city comes up with the end of the bargain. And we'll definitely be keeping track on that and, and following up as things really get moving there. Um, so we're just in our last minute or two here with you, uh, Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. Uh, I wanted to shift a little bit more towards the political end of things just in our last moments. Um, You've made no secret, obviously, that you're planning to run for mayor. Obviously, anything can happen to, to change plans, but that's the plan, at least of your State of the Borough address recently. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, what is a what is a Ruben Diaz Jr. 
vision? What's the Ruben Diaz Jr. sort of lens for thinking about New York City? What what should voters very, very early, obviously, in this next cycle, but what should voters know in terms of the type of leader, type of city that Ruben Diaz Jr. would, would be and would lead? That I love the city, that the city has provided opportunity for my family and I, and for my entire political career, that's what I've been focusing on. Um, in one, if not the most challenging part or borough of the city, creating jobs. Since I've been here the last 10 years, we've cut unemployment by more than half. 117,000 more Bronxites are working today than the first day that I took office. 45,000 units of housing. We've seen, un- uh, we've, we, uh, we've seen investments to the tune of um, uh, over 90 uh, six million square feet of economic development and oh, about 19 billion private dollars invested here. So we've been doing that, not just having businesses do business in the Bronx, but doing business with the Bronx. Citywide, look at, we are the biggest, the, 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 the best city on the planet. And yet, you have so many different communities in all the different boroughs that go around who don't feel like they are benefiting from the progress that we see throughout the city. That means that many of our students aren't being educated um, in the way that other communities are. That means that many men and women in business and firms are not getting a crack at investments and development um, when they're minority or women um, or, or women owned. So for me, I love the city has offered me a lot of opportunities. And as we speak of equity, that's going to be the message here, that this is a city here where we can uh, provide a better future, not just for some, but for all. And we could do it, do this together. We could do this in a practical, pragmatic, progressive way. Well, we will have you back on to discuss that campaign when it really gets going, but it's good to hear some initial thoughts. I thought you might mention jobs and development since that's been a, a big theme for you. So we'll get, get more from you on that. But uh, Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr., thanks for taking some time with us. Thank you for the opportunity. And we come once again, faster than we would like, to the end of another exciting episode of Max and Murphy. Uh, Ben, your thoughts about what we heard from the borough president? Well, I think um, I'm interested, as um, certainly as that mayoral campaign ramps up um, and as there's more scrutiny on the Bronx borough president, that we get more firm positions from him on things. You heard him on the question of the specialized high schools. You know, he had some ideas for things he wants to see changed, enhanced, but that was like a, a very much something for everyone type of answer. Um, so that that's just one thought I have generally on the Bronx Borough President is, you know, he's going to have to really come in with some real positions on things a little more clearly than I think he has to as Borough President. I think he was clear and concrete on a very narrow issue, which is the jail location issue. He does raise some legitimate questions about that, about what the city has planned and what its explanations have been. Doesn't mean it's dispositive that that site would work, but I think think, you know, this is obviously the beginning of a discussion about, um, of the ULIP discussion about those sites. And I think the, the Bronx is clearly where the the most uh, intense conversation is, is likely and to And he's occur. not wrong about the location issue. That yeah. That's clearly an issue. As he said, the Lippman Commission recommended put the jails as close to the courthouses as possible. Yet there's also questions about that site and about you know whether you know there's political motivation, obviously, in in opposing a you know community jail anywhere. So you know there, there's questions there, and you need a real 
planner, engineer, et cetera, to really figure out if his arguments, you know, hold water about the site. Well, you can learn more about that and other issues you've discussed today and many more by reading GothamGazette.com, CityLimits.org. We'll be back next week at 5. He's Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Thanks for listening. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.